popped up, shallow right field. It's in the sun, and it's caught by some guy, whoever's playing right field. There's the ball game. Rangers leave him loaded. Dang it. Well, let's make a podcast. Welcome to Rangers Rundown, the internet's number one fan appreciation podcast for Julio Pablo Martinez. If there are any other associated players with the Texas Rangers organization, I'm failing to forget all of them. As always, I'm Max, and I'm joined today by Hayden. Hello, everyone. And Mike. Good evening. And we're fresh off yet another Texas Rangers loss. It feels real good. I feel good. How do y'all feel today? I'm not going to lie, uh, so as usual, we were recording this on Sunday, and uh, so yesterday I saw that we came back and won against the Angels in in interesting fashion, and while I'm excited to beat the Angels and also just to win in general, I was qu- quickly met with like, uh, man, but we're supposed to lose, like <laughs> knowing that, you know, it probably may be better if we lose, but so I'm feeling good, you know. Oh, but we tried. Yeah, oh, we tried real we hard. Every game. <laughs> we tried real hard, especially Mr. Tochi. Yeah, he, he oh, see man. see what John Daniels. Do? The reason why he's here, he's like, you know what? You are you are special. You have a uh, what is a uh, Liam Neeson saying? Taken like a, you have a very particular set of skills. Yeah, skills that make me a nightmare for men like you or something. That's Tochi. <laughs> he's got a very particular set of skills to where uh, next June we're gonna be uh, you know giving him a, a bonus. I just hit. like that we're checking things off the box. Like, okay, so we've determined now that he can't hit, and uh, we've now determined that he's also a bad base runner, so we just need to put him in center field for an inning or three and watch him, like, I don't know, can Seiko a ball over the fence or something? Like, <laughs> His superpower is suck. <laughs> yeah. It's it's bad. It was That was real bad. Like... I just oh, the I, look the look on Profar's face when he looks back over his shoulder and sees Tochi heading in his second. He's like, "Oh no! Oh my God! I've got to get much faster." Uh, yeah, I I was I was throwing things. I was I was screaming at the TV a lot. Um, my my wife was watching the game with me and and was I think she missed part of the play and was like, "What? What? What is? Why are you? Aren't did we? Did we just tied it?" And I'm like, "No, we lost the game." And just melting down, going through this dumb rule that exists, and like, uh, that's little league stuff. You don't. Why would you? Who? Uh, uh, There's yeah, zero so reason for, for him to Hayden. go. Hayden, this is entirely your fault. Carlos Tochi is your guy. And <laughs> Said the guy who always manages to bring him up during a podcast. That is so unfair. (laughs) Because of you, we had to put him back on the active roster. Yeah, no, Max. I'm with Hayden. Max. Uh, I feel feel positive that Max has a Tochi jersey, and he's probably wearing it right now. (laughs) Hey. He had to pay extra because it was custom, because they don't carry those in the gift shop. I haven't even plugged my webcam in. How do you know this? This is just a mic today. I didn't even put the webcam on. Yeah, so he's got to be up for, for I think, 90 days on the active roster. He's got like 26 down. Oh, my God. To go. That's it? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's real bad. 
We're gonna get some. He's a, he is fully negative in uh, offense, defense, and base running on Fangraphs right now. So, woohoo! Just just fun point there, but it's okay. We we ended up winning that game, which maybe we should have lost because tanking. But I like winning. It was a fun way to win. It was fun clowning yeah. on folks to have that probably very ill advised send from second and beating Justin Upton's throw. Like, we, we tested Upton twice in two innings. The one thing you should know about Justin Upton as a defender, he's got a good arm. That's it. Like, he throws yeah. really well. But whatever. It worked. It was a great slide, actually, from Rigi. I don't know if you all saw that in any uh, yeah. alternate angles. It was a really, really good piece of base running there. I don't it was think vintage it was a good Rigi. decision, but it was a really good slide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by dropping the game today, we've we've kind of kept our position in the reverse standings here. Because that's where we're at. It's June, and I'm already sitting here looking at draft standings and stuff. Uh, right. What's the website, right? It's uh, tankathon.com. Yeah. Yeah, I have tankathon up. There's The way I did this earlier is I kind of grouped teams into four tiers at the bottom. There are two just – if you're not watching a lot of other baseball, you're mostly just a Rangers person – just do yourself a favor and pull up Baltimore or the White Soxes, like anything. Wow. Like, uh, Baltimore is currently a sub 300 team. I believe they are on pace to win 47 games this year. Oh, dear it might God. be less than that. Yeah, it's, it's in the 40s, mid 40s. Oh, my gosh. Which is incredible. Like, I'm very here for this. They haven't, they're, they're 17 and 41. Once again, they try to outranger the Rangers. That's not yeah. counting today's game. I don't know what they're at today. I don't. I haven't. I haven't looked. So the, I think the first and second picks in the draft are pretty well locked up because Chicago is right there behind him. Uh, and then you have another tier of also really really bad teams. We have five teams in baseball with sub four hundred winning percentages, which neat. So Miami, Cincinnati, and the Royals are all pretty terrible. We knew all three of those teams would be terrible. They're terrible. Those are the five worst teams in baseball, and they're all pretty well clustered. You've got two just truly atrocious teams, and then three also atrocious teams. Uh, And then there's a big gap, and you've got the next tier, uh, and that's Texas. Uh, It's also Toronto. The Blue Jays are at 431. San Diego Padres at 4.33, and the Twins at 4.44. So we're up, down, we're winning in that tier. We're the best of the worst mm-hmm. of the third worst. We're yep. the best of the third worst. There you go. Um, so we're pretty solidly ensconced at the sixth overall selection. And I don't see a lot of these teams moving a whole ton. Uh, Kansas City is going to sell Moustakas at some point, but I don't think that's going to make them suddenly lose way more games than they're ahead of us anyway. San Diego doesn't have a ton of pieces to sell off. I mean, Tyson Ross has been having a pretty good season. They had not a very good start the last time out. Maybe there's pieces to move there. Toronto's going to move Donaldson, but he's been hurt a lot. And they might do something silly like call up Vlad Guerrero Jr. or um, Bo Bichette and win a couple of games. That'd be, you know, I, we're, I think we're pretty solidly looking at a middle of the top 10 draft pick, unless something drastically weird happens. You know what though that <clears throat> that doesn't really bother me. Uh, yeah. I've really been um, ecstatic about some of the guys we talked about on the last podcast that just kind of emerged from out of nowhere, guys stepping up and becoming dudes. And I I I don't know. I just have a good feeling that I, I still trust JD to be the baseball ninja he can be, 
and um, pushes towards being a contender in two to three years. I, I think there's going to be enough guys currently on a minor league roster that are going to be able to step up and fill in some of the gaps, and the rest will will do via free agency or trade. I agree. I I agree. Um, we're in a we're in a weird spot, and definitely one that we haven't been in in I I mean 2009 I believe was pretty yeah. competitive, and so I mean we're talking about eight or eight or nine or ten years since we were in this position of truly not having a lot of expectations and truly kind of hoping to lose more than win games. Like even last year, as as bad as it was, I mean. I, I cared. I mean, I still care, you know, but I, I was excited. We weren't out that last wild card until right. yeah. two exactly. weeks left in the season. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we were in it. We shouldn't have been, but by the, the way that the season ran its course, we were in it. And, and so even that is certainly different than what it is this year. Um, so I'm like, I, I've started to question JD more, um, especially as I did in the beginning of the season with the whole center field thing and, you know, Delano being hurt and, the, the the Willie Calhoun thing and you know say what you will about all that stuff we we don't know all of that all of the information and everything that's going on there mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm not totally like blind faith but it's it's a it's a real faith in in JD and the fact that we have uh, probably almost certainly one of the youngest lineups in all of baseball um, especially if you were to take out Chu or or Beltre. Um, which Beltre likely won't be here, you know, at the end of the season, too. There's a chance that he'll be moved as well. Um, I think it's a good chance. I think the Rangers really need yeah. to be moving on from Shinsu Chu. Like, we, we may even see a swap of contracts. It's it's unfortunate that some of the teams that could maybe see a bad contract swap don't have a place for Shinsu Chu. Like, a place that I would look in terms of moving dead money for dead money but making the rosters better for both teams is the Tigers. Jordan Zimmerman yep. is awful and is owed about the same amount of money. Actually, a little bit more than Chu. But the Tigers have Victor Martinez, who is a DH only and is terrible right now, but is also owed money for the end of the season, and he's sort of a fan favorite. So, you know, it doesn't make sense for them to pick up Chu unless they want to put him back in the outfield. You know, there's there are probably some other bad contracts out there that we might probably get into. The Rangers basically need the roster position more than they need the money I think mm-hmm. that she was owed but I mean following up on what you guys were saying I think where Texas is right now is kind of okay because we're bad for some of the right reasons you know we haven't had a big hit on a pitching prospect in a while and we have our next crop of pitching prospects maybe starting to show some returns uh, some of our homegrown guys have been injured or bad. You know, Matt Harrison's career-ending injury was pretty rough, and then Perez has been bad, but he's also been hurt, and that's certainly not helping. We lost Darvish to free agency, and I know we were pretty mad about not bringing him back, but he's been injured and bad this season. We didn't pursue any other big name. Pitching free agents of them, really only Arietta has been good, which is surprising. I actually rather liked Lance Lynn as not a guy I would want to throw a lot of money at, but I liked Lynn and his profile overall, and he's been pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, Cobb has been terrible. It's been a weird year, so maybe this is the front office. Just It really didn't believe in any of these free agent pitchers and didn't feel like spending the money to get Arietta and or Darvish. If we can see a couple of these prospects come up, you know, if, if Willie can finally join the team and if we can see more growth. I mean, Mazzara has had a very promising season. If 
you know, and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa becomes a, a regular bat, that's incredible. If Ronald Guzman keeps establishing himself as a starting first baseman, um, I'm, I'm liking the, the Brandon Belt leans more and more. The power is still not super there, but he's got some bat control. And, you know, you can be a good player without hitting 20 home runs in a season. It, it helps to hit 20 or 30 home runs. But if Joey Gallo is doing Gallo things in the outfield, you're okay. So us, us losing a lot of games this season is partially because we're very injured and some of our players are old and hopefully they're going to get replaced. And we'll see where we're at in a year or two. Yep, and I with it's hard. It, I guess a lot of people would say that 2020 is going to be the first time that we can really start to see the team turn around and maybe reopen the window, so to speak. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if that starts to happen uh, next season, and not for any particular mathematic reason or anything. But uh, the young players have been playing well, and and they're not necessarily all stars but i mean mazara excluded um but there's there's a lot to hope in and hope for and um you just see the way that baseball goes uh not to quote ron washington but teams like the phillies and the the braves this season um and the diamondbacks last year and the rockies as well being teams that had a terrible season before and made some changes, had some developments, had some growth, maybe some good signings here and there. And then before you know it, you just won 90 games. And not that I'm saying, you know, that's going to happen, but stranger things have happened. And I think that we should be optimistic for sure. And, and not write off next season as well, it's just going to be another year lost to development. It certainly could be a year that, uh, the development kind, the development and the kind of potential all kind of coalesce together at once and and makes a really fun team uh even if we don't win a lot this for the rest of this year and the rest of and and all of next year it one thing i would guarantee is that it's going to be a lot of fun yeah i couldn't agree more i i think that next season i think a perfect scenario i mean obviously a perfect scenario would be everyone explodes and they go to the world series but a perfect uh, realistic scenario would be that you know they will likely struggle towards the beginning of the season. Some of the, the guys from the minors are brought up. There's going to be some stumbling blocks. There's going to be some learning opportunities for those guys. But, you know, I, I, I could definitely see the second half of next year of starting to get a peek at what we have on our hands for the future. You know, a lot of the younger guys up and uh, some of them starting to perform. And then, you know, hopefully heading into 2020, you know, we – we have a, pl- a game plan, and we start to fill in the holes. Yep, and 2020 would be a safe bet to see. And, and even 2019 at the end of the year, September especially, um, all of those dudes that we talked about uh, on our last episode, yeah, it might be the time where we get to see them playing in the big leagues. And that's that's a long ways from now, but it also kind of isn't. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's cool. That'd be really cool. Just the thought of, like, Laoti, for example, getting up to Frisco this year, starting Frisco next year, and then spending a month or two in, in the big leagues at the end of 2019. That's totally feasible. And okay. that is that is really exciting. It is. And we've got some of those parts. We talked at, you know, at length last episode about down east and how many interesting guys are there. And all I think that Texas is, I don't know if that really needs, but 
one thing that would be really nice to see happen and that I think the core of the roster is good enough to justify this is one of these guys just blossoms. So maybe John Hernandez keeps being a sub to ERA minor league pitcher and then burns his way through Frisco and burns his way on the major league team and is just a good pitcher. That changes the, the dynamic of the Rangers major league roster fundamentally. Now, most likely he is not going to turn into a, a top of the rotation arm. He, that's just not what people think about him. But even if he's a three, that changes the way the roster works. But what, what if one of these guys actually just hits? John Hernandez is just really good now. You know, He's figured out a slider, and the Rangers actually have a homegrown stud pitcher. That changes the way that I look at this roster top to bottom fundamentally. If you don't have to go and find a top guy, like the Yankees with Luis Severino, that changed so much about their, I think, outlook as a team when Severino just hit and became a star pitcher. Not just like, yeah, he's okay, but a star. That was a big deal. And I think Texas has mm-hmm. a couple of guys who are in position to be able to do that. You know, we talked about John Hernandez a lot last week, but Kyle Cody and Joe Palumbo should both be back on a mound within the next month or so. Hopefully June, maybe July. But those are two guys who were looking like they could be potentially impacted onto the major league level. And if one of them even turns into a good player, much less both of them, I suddenly feel a whole ton better about Texas as an organization. If you've got three, you know, upper level, high end arms, like that's that's the stuff. That's what you want. Texas's problem right now is it doesn't have pitching. It doesn't have an easy way to get it. That isn't spending tons of money. If we can develop one or two or, God forbid, three <laughs> major league quality pitchers out of the farm system at once, I feel so much better about this team being a very, very competitive squad. Mm-hmm. And think about breaking camp next spring, Jose Trevino, starting catcher. That could happen. I, I'd be yeah, down. I, would, I, I, that's, I am going to say that's what I think will happen. I do. Just here, here at the beginning of June, lots of time between now and then. I think Torinos has moved this season. Why the heck not? If, especially because I'm just going to assume that Trevino continues to hit like an actual hitting prospect rather than a catching prospect. And there would be no reason not to make him your starting catcher. And then that let's ride with that. Ride with that with Guzman, with IKF at third base, Profar at second base, Elvis, the good version of Elvis at shortstop. Mazzara in right field, Willie Calhoun at DH, DeShields in center with uh, Laoti knocking down the door towards the end of the season, and left field, um, Ryan Rua still because oh dear. we have to. <laughs> but we, but that's an ex- Gallo in that lineup? Oh, yeah, Gallo. Yeah, yeah, Gallo should probably be your left fielder, I think. Well, Wait, y'all have heard it here first. Uh, Hayden would prefer to see play Ryan Rua over Jody Hey, I, I'm not preferring anything. I'm just telling you. You're just predicting based off the of the, uh, Yeah, I'm, you know I'm analyzing. You Ryan Rua the, is better than Joey Gallo. That's your call. That's what you're, you're putting your professional well, credence behind. I, yeah, I'm risking my, pro, my professional <laughs> credentials, yeah. yeah. My journalistic integrity. My, I know that Joey Gallo is better than Ryan Rua. But does the front office? I oh, think come they, on. I think that they still need to let Rua get you know a hundred, hundred and fifty at bats consistently, and we'll see what we have. You know, he he hasn't really had a shot to really get into a groove. Come on, Hayden, go ahead and compare yourself to to Gallo now. <laughs> if I were Gallo, I would play third base because I would say 
we don't need another outfielder on this roster. Yeah, much like Joey Gallo, when I was in Little League, I... <laughs> <laughs> so, that's the good stuff. You've, you've actually anyways, heard our 2019 lineup opening day. That's super exciting, though. All of those guys are le- are younger than well. Trevino, I think, is twenty five right now. Yeah. The rest of those guys are going to be twenty four or younger yeah, at the start of next year, uh, except for Elvis, which he'll only be thirty, I believe, which is still insane. And assuming he doesn't opt out, I don't think that he will. Twenty nineteen, that might be a different story. Uh, definitely something to talk about, you know, later on in the year. Um, and then a pitching staff of. We'll, we'll skip that part. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> it's going to be Mike Miner, Doug Fister, uh, yeah, Clum. the uh, ring Clum. We'll see. <clears throat> uh, they get a. I'm not going to say no. Alex Claudio into a starter. No. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Ooh. Shoot, and yeah. I don't even know what the free agents class is, but Austin you can Bivis you can Dirks see. This is your number three. And Kershaw is your number four. Yes. Kershaw. Broke back Clayton Kershaw. Oh, that makes me so sad. So sad. As a fan of general greatness, um, and especially him yeah. being from Texas and in, in the, the Metroplex area, like, you, you just hate to see a body it's, betray somebody like that. It's not good. Yeah. He's kind of getting Kofaxed a little bit. And yeah. That's not fun. Uh, Speaking of injuries, I think uh, he's only 30. That sounds about right. Uh, Alex sure. Reyes came back up for the Cards. They're really electric pitching prospect who was uh, went right hurt back all down. last year. Pitched four pretty good innings, pulled from the game. They're saying, oh, you know, precautionary. And then they announced it as a, quote, severe lat strain. So mm. pitching, it's stupid. Yep. But no, I, I really I really do think Trevino has a really good shot to be on the roster next year. I do too. I mean, Torino's makes sense to keep just because he's still cheap, and I don't know if there's yeah. a trade market for him. But if you're saying splitting time a lot more consistently between Chirinos and Trevino, and I mean, it doesn't really hurt to have that. That makes Trevino sense. Up there. Someone with some major league experience to help bring Trevino along for sure. Yeah. I mean, we could always move Chirinos one way or another. I think he's got a, an option for next year, but you could always see about moving him or not bringing him back and then keeping a one of these just super replacement level like Carlos Perez, Juan Centeno types, who Bobby Wilson will bring back Bobby Wilson and Chris Jimenez and they'll sit there and work <laughs> with Jose. But I, I could definitely see Jose Trevino breaking camp next year as the team's at least backup catcher. Uh, I mean, I think he's, he's hitting way over his head right now in Frisco, but if... If some of this shows that he's made a, at least enough of an adjustment that he could actually be a rosterable bat, what's the value in keeping him in the minors yet again? I mean, the dude is already a major league ready glove right now. He could be an yes. above average major league defender if the bat is even like spitting distance, it being okay. Call him up. Yep. And for your 2018 Ranger, spitting distance means spitting distance within the Mendoza line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say batting 200. Yeah, the yeah. target. It's a big. It's a big target to spit at. So Ooh, it's pretty yeah. easy to be in range. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Real bad. It's so weird because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a general homer and general irrational optimist, and of course, I thought that the Rangers were gonna be totally fine offensively, and then you know maybe get oh, yeah. the highest the highest version of Perez, Hamels, uh, Minor, etc. 
and uh, that it would just be our pitching that really held us back. Probably not going to make the playoffs, but it won't be for the lack of scoring runs and, and being exciting on the offensive side of the ball. And it's been a big old bag of air. It's very, very odd. Very odd. I think Joey Gallo is a good crystallization of it. Just what what are you doing? What is going on? What's like going how many on? dudes in our in our sort of starting the lineup configuration have an OPS plus of one hundred or better? Okay, let me guess. At, at, a, at a nine in your best lineup, so Cheerios, Andrews Guzman. Well, he's hurt, so yeah. Shh, hold on to that one. Cheerios, okay. Guzman, Ruggi, uh, Jerickson, Beltre, Gallo, DeShields, Mazzara, and Chu. Okay, we're going. We're going OPS over uh, OPS plus over over hundred. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm gonna guess it, three. Yeah, Beltre is one. Beltre, Chu, Mazzara. I'm assuming, Mike, your silence is that you realize that's right, and there's no point in talking about. This <laughs> <laughs> well, I mentioned Andrews, but obviously, yeah, he's injured. But yeah, I would have, I would have, I would have said forward. Andrews, Beltre, and Mazzara, and that would be it. Yeah, Chu okay. is uh, Chu is our second best hitter by OPS plus. Okay. How many guys have an OPS over eight hundred? Not counting Elvis again, who's okay. still over a nine hundred. Maz and, and Beltre. He's having such a good season. I'll put one Maz. Just Maz. Yes. Wow. Oh, yeah. I am. Chu what do I win? In Fuego. And then Beltre is at seven eighty. This is okay. a really bad team. Like this is this this we have two sub five uh, sub six hundreds. Uh, yeah. Rookie and DeShields have been abysmal when they've been on the field overall. I mean, Delino had some really good weeks and has been very disappointing to me. So, I mean, I thought he had a dinger today. He hit that one to the gap in left center that Trout ran down at the fence. Looked like he banged his knee up a little bit. I thought that ball was gone. I was hoping that would be a little thing to jumpstart Delino, but nope, stayed in. How many times did you cuss Mike Trout? for his play in the outfield this weekend. Oh, man, like six? Yeah, <laughs> like, that sounds about right. And the thing is, is that Mike Trout has been a serviceable center fielder. Like, he's really athletic, and he's fast, and he's a really smart player, but he hasn't been a very great center fielder, and he just decided this offseason he wants to be a really good center fielder, and that was great. Like, his throwing arm two years ago, everyone's like, yeah, four tools, he can't throw. He can throw now. Mike Trout can throw real hard now. He just worked on it, and he just got good at it, because that's Mike Trout. He's just like, oh... I can't hit high fastballs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. Now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The guy's incredible. <laughs> like they, uh, they mentioned on the uh, on the broadcast last night that one of the things he worked on the off season was the way he positioned himself just before a pitch was thrown to make himself at his most ready to be able to tr- uh, track down any ball, and hmm. that just makes him that much more dangerous. He's so smart as a player. He's just uh, he's like he's fun to watch because. I don't know if you guys went to high school with anybody who ended up being a pro athlete in football or baseball, soccer, basketball, anything like that. There's something that's just different about watching even a fringe professional athlete around amateurs, around kids. I played pickup soccer with a couple of guys who played on the national team, uh, the McCartys, Dax McCarty being the better one. I played pickup ball against these guys, and you just see the way they carry themselves in the field, and you're like, whoa, okay, that's... That is that's an athlete. Like that's a professional right there. Mike Trout looks like that next to other professional baseball players, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's incredible. Like it's I don't know I don't even know how to really explain how amazed I am all the time by Mike Trout. Well, my favorite stat was the one. What was it that 
he's got the highest career stats, or highest career war uh, of any player since 2007, but he didn't start playing <laughs> oh, until right. 2012. Yeah. yeah. That, to me, that one said it all. Uh, that, yeah. that's... He gave everyone like three years, and he's still Five. Wait, let me pull this up real quick. Uh, it's really fun. And I've seen uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue, which is a great, great follow on Twitter. Yeah, that's an excellent um, Yeah, they, they're they killing it. They have been for years. Um, they often uh, talk about uh, where Trout is in his career wins above replacement in relation to like active or you know past Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. And it is unbelievable. For some reason, I'm having trouble. By Jaws, actually. he is a Hall of Famer now. By, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I can't remember that. Who made that 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 formula on Baseball Reference? Um, um, it, just, it basically uses a combination of combined um, wins and then a, an index based off of uh, peak seasons, like mm-hmm. your best couple of years, your best stretch as a professional player, and then right. your overall. And it indexes the two of them. So, like, what does it look like? Because Hall of Famers typically have a great, brilliant period and then also a long career. So it uses both numbers. And Trout is already a Hall of Famer. He's not eligible to be in the Hall of Fame because he hasn't played long enough. But Trout is a Hall of Famer by stats. He's better than like a half dozen out just outfielders. He's better than a ton of other dudes who are just in there. Yep. Okay. Here, here's something fun. Okay, uh, Mike Trout currently stands at fifty nine and a half wins above replacement on Baseball Reference. Okay, so that is uh, more than Yogi Berra, uh, Ichiro Suzuki, and Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, yeah. He is. And he's been playing for eight years. Yogi Berra played for nineteen. Yep, Mike Trout. Ichiro played for eighteen. Uh, he is only point one behind Mike Piazza. He is point four behind Bobby Abreu. Uh, let's see, Jim Edmonds. He's on his heels by like one win. So he's going to pass all of these players this season. Um, he's going to pass them all by Todd, July. Yeah, Todd Helton. Jackie Robinson. He's only, uh, what, two <laughs> wins behind Jackie Robinson in his 10-year career. Clayton Kershaw, he's only behind him by a little bit. Mark McGuire in his 16-year career. He's going to pass him this season. Uh, Dennis Eckersley, Andrew Jones, Juan Marischal, Bob Feller, uh, let's see, Roy Halladay, Willie McCovey, Andre Dawson, Craig Biggio, and let's see, probably right around there. He'll probably stop around there, uh, around the 125-ish range in all-time grades, which is ridiculous because all of these players played for 20 seasons, 23 seasons, 16 seasons, and he's in his eighth season. You heard it here first, folks. Mike Trout, <laughs> Mike Trout inner circle hall, hall of Famer. Actually good. <laughs> It'll be so interesting to see where he ends up. Yeah. It's so fun to watch. And, and the only the, the, the biggest problem with a guy like Trout is that you start to think about the last time that you were watching like just young ultra stud players and then you just hope that everything clicks. So you don't want to see him get kind of griffied where Right. Griffey Jr.'s body just started falling apart on him in his 30s, and, and yeah, he still had a great career, and it was super fun to watch, but didn't turn himself into one of the top five players of all time. And right. Trout is such a phenomenal athlete, he takes such great care of himself, he's such a smart baseball player that it would it would seem like an enormous disservice if that were to happen. Uh, yeah, just it's to, just like the Kershaw thing. To, yeah, much like Clayton Kershaw, it'd be just it'd be universally unfair. So as a Rangers fan, I'm afraid of it. Like the universes get mad at us for being Rangers fans. Be like, now nah, you don't get my tread either. And we're like, what? It's not even us. But 
Uh, well, it's it's a lose lose situation because either Mike Trout is the greatest player of all time and, and we have to play him nineteen years. times a season, <laughs> yeah, or like he you know tears his labrum and his ACL at the same time and is out of baseball in two years and then yeah, it's, that's also terrible. It's it's hard to hard to be around for it, but yeah. Uh, Let's see. Trout is he's a treat to watch. He's somebody that I need to dedicate more time. The Angels have been really watchable this season because they also have Shohei Otani, and so I've definitely watched a lot more Angels games. I feel bad that I've, over the last couple of years, been like, yeah, my Trout is great, and then I don't end up watching enough games. Right. It's it's so good. Oh, it's I mean, I it's better because I truly hated the Cardinals, and so I didn't really want to watch Albert Pujols when he was still good. But the way that Pujols controlled the zone... That like really just mechanical swing he had going through was another one of the things that just pops off the screen and you're like, oh, that's what that looks like. Yeah, men among boys. Trout is. Uh, speaking of men among boys, Portola Colon's about to pitch for us again. Are you excited? Keep going. I'm all. I've always been excited for Bartolo Colon. I do yeah. not miss a big sexy start. It's gonna be a Matt Moore Bartolo Colon series for Texas, so you know. Oh my gosh! Are we still going to do this? Yeah, but it's okay. we're still we're doing this. Matt Moore is is playing in the Sean Mania game, so I mean, we're going to lose that game anyway. Well, you know, there's only one way that you can go and and figure out what you have is to go out there and compete. Yeah, still watching together. an ERA that is it's no longer even an aircraft made by Boeing. Like I don't even know what Matt Moore's ERA. What's the seven eighty five? What does that even mean? I don't know. Let's Google it. 785, what comes up? Is there like a version? Yeah, That's probably like an Google area code. Number. Yeah, area code. Northern Kansas. Can we please <laughs> drop off? Can we please drop off Matt Moore somewhere in Kansas. northern Kansas oh, and man, just say, is, this is where you belong now? He is the please. northern Kansas of pitchers. The it only way to exist somewhere, you just don't want it to be you. <laughs> like, if, if you took away parts of Kansas, you're losing, like, the middle of America. Like, you could lose the entire continent. What if that was, like, the thing holding North America together and just falls into the ocean? You just don't want to be the guy who has to live there. Yeah, and that's why they receive $9 million of federal funds every year, because it's just so important. Just like Matt Moore receiving $9 million from hey. Rangers, Rangers ownership, because it's just so important. All right, ERA Golly. plus for Matt Moore. Let's just okay. take our guesses. I'm looking at All uh, right. Um, Mike Miner, who's been pretty bad in terms yeah. of results, if he's looked better, is it an 80? I was going to guess uh, around that, yeah. Yeah, Kevin Let Jackson's a 78. 42. Uh, Austin Bibbenstrokes posted a 72. Okay. 42 Matt is a little Moore. low. That's Matt lower Moore. Than Martin Perez. I'm going to go with a square 50. 59. 59. Wow. Real he's bad. He's exceeding expectations or something like that. Yep. I'm not so sure it's, about it's, that. He's getting, uh, he's getting strikeouts. Somehow uh, he strikes people out. I don't know how, but he does. Well, he doesn't know where the ball's going, so neither does the hitter. It's hard. <laughs> it's kind of like... it's Okay, so this reminds me of a... Uh, I played a PlayStation 2 game back in the day. Uh, it was uh, Rocky Boxing, you know? Okay. And it was really fun. But it was more fun when like, I just went over to a friend's house and just picked up the controller and I'm pressing, you know, square, triangle, trigger buttons, just mashing everything. Oh, you're and a button masher. Yeah, you just you're button masher. You're a really good soul caliber player. Yeah, I'm yeah, I mean, so think about, like, you know, it, it's somewhat of a realistic game where it's like you have to have you know, bob and weave, jab, hooks, body, body shots, head shots. You want to, like, 
try to combine those things into a sensible pattern that makes you a competitive fighter or something. No. Well, if you don't know how to do any of that, then yeah, you just no, hit up no. all the buttons and then you just destroy people because you're just constantly hitting them. And yeah, uh, I had, so I had that's a kind of what who was like a, a fringe competitive soul caliber player, uh-huh. and I could beat him like I don't know about a, at least a third of the time by just literally pushing random buttons. Right, and because he he didn't know how to play against somebody who had no clue what they were doing. Like I knew none of the characters, so I was like, and hey, strategy, love it. Matt Moore, he's uh he's your little brother playing Street Fighter. Yes, you you can't develop like a counter strategy when there is no strategy to begin with. You can't say, "Oh, I think he's going to try to jam me inside here" when he doesn't even know where, where the ball is going. And so, you can strike some people out. Yeah, but can I just remind you guys that the opposing team beats us every time he goes to the mound. So, That's him true. pressing random buttons isn't really Helping him. Oh win no, it's not a long-term games. solution. <laughs> that's not something that's going to keep you in the big leagues for a long time, unless you're on the Texas Rangers. Right. Yep. So when when we're watching Sean Manaya and Matt Moore pitch, just remember that instead of doing that, you could go be with your family. You could go to dinner. You could watch <laughs> Do some movie. charity work. Yeah, go see Solo. I actually had some fun with that one. Um, you know, go in expecting to be kind of weird and not really like a Star Wars movie. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I, I came out with a smile on my face. It wasn't really All a Star right. Wars thing, but I liked it. It was good. Oh, it got uh, two thumbs up from me. Yeah, there were some great scenes and some good acting in there. I mean, Donald Glover is incredible. So go watch Solo. Don't watch baseball. It's stupid. It's a sport that nobody <laughs> should care about. Uh, and then tune in Wednesday. So get your family time in. Get your obligations out of the way. You know, talk to the wife. Talk to the husband. See your kids. See your grandparents. Do something. Because you want to tune in Wednesday. Bartolo Colon is going to try again for one Marichal's record. And the A's are pitching Daniel Mengden, who Rangers fans are probably at least mildly familiar with him. He's the guy with the Raleigh Fingers mustache. Um, you've, you've probably seen him pitch against Texas the last couple of years. He's A, super funny because he's got a Raleigh Fingers mustache and a crazy old school double pump full wind when he pitches. Uh, and B, he's good. Like He's actually really good this year. Yep. So it should actually be a fun game between two kind of kind of crappy teams. The A's Hold on a second. Hitters that are good. Yeah. So the Rangers are off tomorrow. Hundred <laughs> percent. And you say that we've got Matt Moore and Bartolo Colon, and Colon is on Wednesday, of course, because I have tickets tickets to a luxury box game on Tuesday. <laughs> Oh, hey, well, F- M-L. Think of it this way. You have a lot of food and and, uh, and liquor stuff. Yeah, you have a lot of food <laughs> and, and liquor to distract you That's from that. One. You have a chance at seeing another no-hitter. Who's Maybe the I'll set up some... two no-hitters in one season. Maybe I'm going to set up beer pong inside the suite. That's what I'm going to do. That's yeah, how I'm going to entertain yes. myself. 100%. Awesome. Air-conditioned, there. yeah. There's a lot yeah. worse things to do than just... Because if you are watching a Matt Moore start at home, you have to pay for all of the food and, and all the drinks. Yeah, so you don't want to pay for Matt Moore starts. But you can turn the TV off. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> That's true. You do. It's kind of like a. It's it's like a. It's like a. Uh, what's it called? Um, it's like a philosophical like quandary. You know, do you do you pull the lever on the train tracks to save one person or kill a thousand people or something like that? It's like, do you go to a Rangers game to sit in a luxury suite, but you have to subject, you have to watch every pitch of the Matt Moore start? Like, it's a it's, it's, a, a, it's a tough one. That is yeah. a conundrum. 
Yeah. That is staring me right in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know how you respond. <laughs> we'll yeah, do. I mean, maybe you can get the TVs turned over or something. I mean, just ask. But like, hey, the game is fun and all, but... But there's a that 70s show rerun that's playing. <laughs> yeah, like, you mind? Exactly. I mean, I was, I was, I was hoping, but I think that uh, you'll miss the NHL and NBA. I don't think they play Tuesday. I think the NHL has a game on Monday, and then Game Three, the finals for NBA, won't be until Wednesday. So you might be kind of stuck. Yeah. I'm sorry. Of course. Well, just stick with Aston Kutcher, and you'll yeah. be all right. <laughs> you'll be all right. You'll be able to at least talk a little bit about the MLB draft. So a bunch yes. of 18 year olds that you've never heard of before are going to be picked up by MLB teams for millions of dollars, uh, and that's happening. Monday, so probably Monday. the day you're listening to this pod. Um, yep. Hey, be at six o'clock. Six. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So they do a big, big presentation of it on MLB.com. I think it's probably on MLB Network as well. But I've only yes. ever streamed it online for free. It could be kind of fun. Um, the fun thing for me is especially watching the early rounds and see some of the star players go. But just like tune in randomly throughout the couple of day process, like. There'll be 27th round picks where Jim Callis or John Mayer or something like that will have actual notes on this like random 17-year-old kid from nowhere. And it's incredible to see how much information. They're getting texts from people who are like, oh, yeah, I went to high school with that guy. He's great. Like, it's actually kind of fun to watch. Uh, I think they do a, a fairly decent job of putting together a, a watchable show. You can put it on in the background and ignore it most of the time. But Rangers are picking 15th, I believe. Yep. We'll see. Uh, this is a draft where, you know, 15th pick is never one that you're picking up great stuff, but it's also a, a prime area for a big name to drop and it would be available to us. So there's some prep Absolutely. players, there's some college bats, there's all kinds of stuff. And, and we will have some big time draft breakdown coverage for you, our dear listener, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to also plug something. Is uh, I did scroll through Twitter uh, as I always am doing, and I saw that uh, uh, Jamie Newberg has teased a um, an article coming out tomorrow or today, Monday, when you're listening to this, um, about a, a very long look at the Rangers' draft history and philosophy. Um, apparently, down like really close, looking close at things and looking at like a forty thousand foot view. So, um, if you do have a subscription to the to the Athletic and you're wondering about the draft, that'd probably be a good thing to read. And if you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, then that's a real problem that you need to address because uh, it's also Levi Weaver's uh, spot where he writes. And he. no offense to Evan Grant and company, but that's where you, you want to read Levi Weaver if you care about the Rangers. So. Definitely get some Levi. Yeah, get it's his not perspective. That much money. It's super worth doing. It's I like three bucks regretted. a month. Yeah, I haven't regretted my Athletic yeah. sub even a tiny bit. There's tons of deals just holler at anybody who is associated with The Athletic on Twitter and see if they can forge you one of the discount links. Yep. It's really, really good. Um, yep. I want to plug another one while we're talking about it. Levi has a series on Driveline Baseball, the program that most famously Trevor Bauer, but also Tim Lincecum uh, are associated right. with. And it's real fun. Part one was posted this morning. Just an interview with the, the founder, uh, Kyle Bodie. Going through you know his process and getting in, he's got a fascinating backstory. The article is really interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing what else comes out of it. So, I'm looking forward to Newberg's piece. Levi's got good stuff. Definitely, take a look at the Athletic. Get yourself a a free trial if you don't want to pay the 
cash for it straight up. I haven't regretted it once. Nope. Get a lot nope. of really good content out of there. And hopefully you're getting good content out of Rangers Rundown, the internet's number one and only podcast covering the Texas Rangers, 100%. <laughs> Nobody else yep. even knows Texas exists. Marconi award-winning, I might add. And we've yes. won. Uh, I've been nominated for three Pulitzer Prizes. <laughs> That's it? Yep. Just the three. I mean, my early yeah. work is unappreciated, I think. Uh, yeah, it's overlooked. It, well, it's just overlooked by the you know the the peak that you're currently in right now. They'll, they'll dig it up later, and they'll be yeah. like, "Wow, this guy was great. His early yeah. work is incredible." I'm in my blue period now, so it's all it's all a little weird, but it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Trust me. Yep, good stuff. Just like the good stuff going on with uh, the young guys. Uh, Mazzara hit a home run to, again. The summer of Maz continues. Guzman's figuring it all out. IKF is a big leaguer. We're going to yeah. just uh, keep enjoying the ride, and we'll keep documenting it, uh, keep recording it into microphones. And, uh, yeah, we're Rangers Rundown. You can follow us on Twitter, at Rangers Rundown. And our personal bio, our personal handles are in the bio there. Uh, you can email us at rangersrundown at gmail. And we're also on Facebook over there if uh, your grandma wants to listen to this. And uh, that's pretty much all I got. You guys got anything else? I feel pretty good. Well, that should just about do it. Go Rangers. Right. Go Rangers. <laughs> Go Rangers.